Today's scriptures are from John chapter 12, verses 20 through 33, and this is from the message. There were some Greeks in town who had come up to worship at the feast. They approached Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Sir, we want to see Jesus. Can you help us? Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip together told Jesus. Jesus answered, Time's up. The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is, destroys that life. But if you let it go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. If any of you wants to serve me, then follow me. Then you'll be where I am, ready to serve at a moment's notice. The Father will honor and reward anyone who serves me. Right now I am storm-tossed. And what am I going to say? Father, get me out of this? No. This is why I came in the first place. I'll say, Father, put your glory on display. A voice came out of the sky. I have glorified it, and I'll glorify it again. The listening crowd said, Thunder! Others said, An angel spoke to him. Jesus said, The voice didn't come for me, but for you. At this moment, the world is in crisis. Now Satan, the ruler of this world, will be thrown out. And I, as I am lifted up from the earth, will attract everyone to me and gather them around me. He put it this way to show how he was going to be put to death. The word of the Lord. The Greeks were at the festival and they wanted to see Jesus. They spoke to Philip, who then spoke to Andrew, and then Philip and Andrew went to Jesus to say, there are Greeks here to see you. And Jesus responded to the disciples by saying, the time has come for the Son of Man to be lifted up. Lest a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains but a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is saying to the disciples, this is the beginning of a new chapter in God's rhythm of death and resurrection. Death and resurrection. The fact that Greeks came to see Jesus is a significant happening because up until that time, Jesus was a gift for the Jewish people seen in a Jewish context and culture. And all of a sudden, these non-Jewish people from Greece are also seeking 
the Messiah. It's a message to the early church that this Jesus is for more than just the Jewish people. This Jesus, this God-man, is for everyone. This Jesus is a sign and a message from God that God wants to be in relationship with all people. And for followers of Jesus, we're called to desire what God wants. And in this passage, it is clear that God's desire is to be in relationship with all people of all cultures, of all backgrounds, of all ways of life. The Greeks in this particular passage that Sally read today are our teachers insofar as what they ask. We want to see Jesus. That's a good prayer. Aren't we here at some level in church this morning because we too want to see Jesus? I hope that we're in touch with that hunger because that hunger will lead us to greater wisdom and will lead us into a deeper relationship with God who wants to be in a deeper relationship with each of us. It's not only our wish. I have a profound and renewed sense that the whole world also says we want to see Jesus. Maybe not Christianity, maybe not the church, but there is a deep hunger out there to see Jesus, to see the real deal God with us. I've been listening to a lot of Greg Boyle recently, not only his books on, uh, on my iPhone, he's got a new book out, Tattoos on the Heart is a great book. It's about his ministry in South Central LA with gang members, homeboys, homegirls. It's a profound story. You can see some of his YouTube clips being interviewed on 60 Minutes, being interviewed by various people. Recently, he was interviewed by Sarah Silverman. Do any of you know who Sarah Silverman is? Okay, so um, I always took Sarah Silverman as a, as a comedian who was kind of irreverent and um, had an edge to her. She had Greg Boyle on her show recently, and she was genuinely interested in his take on Christianity. She was genuinely in awe of his faithfulness. It was quite remarkable. I think it was in that interview where Greg said to her and to perhaps her somewhat jaded, cynical audience, said, you know, I don't think people have... Um, I don't think they have a problem with Christianity. People have a problem with hypocrisy. And what he was saying was, Christians who are the real deal, they stand out. They're accessible. They, they preach in ways that the general public can hear them. But for 2,000 years, we have so much baggage and so much hypocrisy that we carry with us as the church that sometimes it's hard for people to see Jesus.
So we may be called to be the Phillips and the Andrews for people who would never darken the doorways of a church. We may be the people like Philip and Andrew who folks say, you know, I, I want to see God, but I, I, I don't see it in any of the churches I've visited or the church that I was raised in and I haven't gone to church in 10 or 20 years. Maybe someone here is being called to be the Philip and the Andrew who bring people to Jesus. There are a lot of folks out there who may claim to be spiritual but not religious. I think Jesus has a deep heart for them. There are people who have baggage with Christianity, who have been hurt by Christians, and I think Jesus has a big heart for them. There are more and more people in our neighborhood who simply don't know who Jesus is. They don't have any baggage with Jesus. They just don't know who Jesus is. And maybe we are being called to be the Phillips and the Andrews, the disciples who hear that spiritual hunger and bring people to know Jesus. We also may be, even though we are followers of Jesus, we may be led by someone else who might be a Philip or an Andrew to us who can show us who Jesus really is. God, I'm convinced, places in our lives people who have gifts, who have a wisdom, who have a stance that knows something about the mystery of God that I want to learn from. Today is one of those opportunities. A few months ago, we were at a training event for Congregational Care Ministry. And after that meeting, it was in, in Morristown, led by the Morristown Memorial Hospital. Um, Allison and I were bringing some of the leftover food out to Gary Meyer's car. And on our way to, the, to our, our cars, you said, can I tell you a story? And I'm so glad you did. Can you share a little bit about that story with us? Let me just turn that microphone down so we pick you up. So the background is, this story happened when I was three years old, but I've looked back on it as I've aged through life differently. So when I was three years old, I was in a car accident. My entire family was in the car, my brother, my sister, my mom, dad, and my brother's best friend. I was the only one injured. No one else had a scratch on them. I was taken to the first hospital, a local hospital north of Pittsburgh, and the doctors told my parents to say goodbye to me. And my dad had the forethought. He pointed, this is before life flight, before helicopters. He saw an ambulance in the, outside the window. And he said, I'm taking that ambulance to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. And the doctor said, she won't make it. And my dad looked at the doctors and said, you didn't give me a choice. Mm -hmm. And so with that, we the ambulance drove me to Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh where I had nine hours of neurosurgery, and I am here, so that first hospital was a little wrong. Mm. Praise God for your dad so. <laughs> and his persistence. Um, God 
sometimes comes to us disguised as people who look like us or people who look like Philip or Andrew. Were there people in that journey as you look back on your childhood experience of that uh, crisis that may have been God to you or the hands of God? So remember, I'm three years old at the time, and my hero is Mr. Rogers. I'm 46 years old now, and so I can't believe I have to explain who Mr. Rogers is to some people in this congregation, but Mr. Rogers was on TV, and he was my neighbor, because on television he says, won't you be my neighbor? Mr. Rogers lived in Pittsburgh, and so without social media back then, he used to visit the, pe the critical people in Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. There wasn't any media circle or anything. And in my mind, he came to visit me every day. But my parents said it was two to three times a week. But he'd come and spend individual time with me. And that meant the world to me. And that got me through. I don't remember, I don't remember anything of the accident. I spent a long time in Children's Hospital. And I don't remember much, but I remember playing with Mr. Rogers every day. At the time, I didn't think it was special because, of course, my neighbor would come visit me because in my mind, he's my neighbor on TV. Looking back at this, it was special that he'd come to visit. And it wasn't just me he came to visit. He came to visit many people. If you search him on YouTube, he flew to different areas of the country to visit people that were sick. So, Mr. Rogers is incredible, and he got me through a bad part of my life. Mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers visited you. He had so much wisdom. One of the times that I remember uh, his wisdom making sense to me was after some national crisis. It may have been 9-11, it may have been something else. And he used to say, when you're looking for God in the midst of a or in the aftermath of a crisis or a trauma, look for the helpers. And that's where you see God at work. Did you ever, having, looking back on that experience in the hospital, were there helpers who may have been the hands of God to you? So at the time, of course, I was just, Mr. Rogers is visiting me. But as I look back through life, I look back on that accident a lot. It's not just the nurses and the doctors that saved me. It's all the other people. Now, this is a long time ago, so this was before grocery stores were open 24 hours a day. While I was in the surgery in the middle of the night, that nine hours, people from the hospital came to my parents and said, what are her three favorite foods? My parents told them, and the hospital only had one of them. But the hospital gave my mom and dad hugs and said, don't worry, we have a relationship with the grocery store, we'll get that food for her. So in the middle of the night, someone from the hospital contacted a grocery store, someone at a grocery store woke up, went into the grocery store to get those two other foods. Unfortunately, I was in the coma for a couple more days or weeks, and I didn't need the food that night. But I just think of all the love, it's not just the doctors and the nurses, it was that hospital staff that went and got the food. It was the people at the grocery store that opened up their doors to get that food so that I would be comforted when I woke up. It was not only the doctors and the nurses, but my pristine room. I remember the room because I spent a lot of time in it. And I remember whoever made the gurneys. I wasn't in a gurney, but it was a little wheelbarrow. Like I was at a, So I'd be wheeled around the hospital. So it's just all the workers, not just the people that we normally think of. Mm -hmm. So there were a ton of helpers. Mm -hmm. 
That's an encouraging word to, to all of us, that even doing something little, small, insignificant with great love can have ripple effects that um, you are now looking back on and recognizing. Um, Fred Rogers was an ordained Presbyterian pastor, and when he first saw TV, the medium of TV and children's broadcasts, he said, it just is a whole lot of people throwing pies in each other's faces. There must be some way to communicate grace with this new medium of TV. And that's what motivated him in starting Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. How have you experienced grace, looking back on it, that may... Uh... So, his word... His words that he spoke of. He has so many great quotes, but the ones I remember just offhand are, you are special and I like you just the way you are. Those are simple quotes as a kid, sort of that, I think back to that, everything you learned, you learned in kindergarten, those simple but true things. You are special. Like, I was special. Hmm. I'm special today. I like you just the way you are. Not to change you. I don't like you because you do X. I like you just the way you are. And course won't you be my neighbor like that's just so welcoming and as an adult I've looked back on he has so many quotes but he believed just read one appreciation is holy loving and appreciating our neighbor we're participating in something sacred think of how many ways we do that today in this church and in this world mm-hmm. that's a great definition of grace you know you're special just the way you are you don't earn it you don't deserve it it's just who you are and who we are that's, uh, that's the gospel that he was preaching to so many millions of us and to you. Uh, one of my colleagues and friends, Reverend Kaylee Corbett, um, introduced me to a quote by Soren Kierkegaard. And she, Kierkegaard said, Life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forwards. So as you look back on your life and you're living forwards, how does that apply? So, I've looked backwards on this accident, or looking back on this accident a lot, and there's two things that really come to mind. Number one, my brother and sister are eight and nine years older than me. And so this accident affected them. It affected the whole family, but they almost lost me. I don't remember that part. And a lot of people, if I ask you, you don't remember when you learned to walk or talk, because you learned that so young. But I remember learning how to walk, learning how to talk, because I lost all that. So at age three, I know I had tons of therapy, but I don't remember the therapy. What I remember is countless hours of walking around my dining room table with my brother and sister. They're the ones that, when I think of a physical therapist, I don't think of going to a hospital, which I'm sure I did for many months. I know I did. What I remember is that time of walking around the table with my brother and my sister. I remember playing patty cake with them. And so I think I'm closer to them because of that accident. Not that I remember the accident, but I think they have a more special bond with me because they remember almost losing me. So that's the one portion of it. And the other portion, it seems like when I hit different stages of my life, I look back on the accident once again. When I had children, I just wanted to run up and give my parents hugs Mm. because they let me be a normal child. That accident was a long recovery. 
Once I got out of the hospital, every year until I was 18, I had to go back to Children's Hospital just for a checkup. But guess what? I played on monkey bars. I broke my arm. I don't know how they let me live a normal life because when I look at my kids, if something like that happened, I think I'd want to put them in a bubble. So mm. my parents, by the grace of God, let me live a normal life. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that has an impact on you allowing your kids to play <laughs> hockey. <laughs> <laughs> One's in like placid right now playing. <laughs> Last week when we spoke and we were talking about what, what do we want to talk about? What do you specifically want to talk about? You mentioned... Um, that one of the things that you wanted to share that Brene Brown is very helpful to millions of people in her study of vulnerability and her articulation of vulnerability. And we were talking about what it is to be vulnerable. And you shared some of the wisdom you have learned and gleaned and claimed in some of your own journey through vulnerability. Um, So there's two things I want to close on. The Mr. Rogers, you are special. He didn't say you are special because you made dinner or you fixed your hair or you, did, you finished the spreadsheet on time. It's just plain you are special. So that always, it, I have a hard time sometimes remembering that as I go through different journeys of life, but that is the one thing. And then the other thing from the accident is, so I have lots of scars on this head. That's why I part my hair here. But the only lasting effect is I lost one nerve right here. So when I'm tired, I drool. And as a kid, you know, everyone wants to fit in. And I remember being made fun of because I'd be at a party and I'd drool. And that was a stigma and I was embarrassed and I didn't like that. But now as I've grown through life, when I drool, I smile because I remember all I've been through and all the helpers along the way that brought me here. So Mm. I smile now when I drool. Mm. That's beautiful. And, And we all have something like that that I hope we can get to where you are, where when that vulnerable thing that used to embarrass us, we can just smile and know that it's all right. We are thankful for you, for your parents, for your siblings, for Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Um, And we're thankful that you shared some of this story today. Feel free to ask Allison afterwards or share your own uh, experience. Um, or look up Mr. Rogers online. There are so many cool Rogers. things with him, stories he did for me, things he did when he was interviewed by the Senate. It, it's just incredible. You know, I wasn't planning on doing this, but let's do this. Mr. Rogers was once given an award, a Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, on some TV show. And everybody was glammed out. It was all, it was all Hollywood. And um, he stepped up to the mic, humble man that he was, and he said, "Um, you know, we're all here because someone loved us into being. And then he invited people to just be silent for 10 seconds. He said, I'll watch the clock. Let's be silent for 10 seconds and thank the people in our own hearts, and our own minds, who loved us into being. Let's be in prayer and be thankful for those people.
Oh God, for all of these people who have loved us into being, we give you thanks. Amen. Thank you, Alison.